1: Welcome to the GLC Live post-game show. I am Mike Yuvan. Alongside me is former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skardecchia. South Carolina, they get another win. They take care of South Carolina State 50-10, to marking the first time since 1995. Big shout out to our co-worker Colin Taylor at Gamecock Sender, for that nugget. First time since ninety-five that South Carolina puts up 50 points or more in two straight games. Mike, let's just get right into it. This is a game that South Carolina should have won, and they did exactly that. I felt like we did see some good things tonight, both on offense and defense. I know special teams, we even saw some good things, even though there was a hiccup or two in there. Um, Does this mean this team has no flaws? Certainly not. But when you look at where this team was when we talked after that Georgia game, there's been some progress. Again, competition's the competition. As Mason Zandy said it the other day, If they're on the schedule, might as well whoop their ass. I felt like South Carolina was able to do do that. Was it as clean as it was maybe last week against Charlotte? No. But at the end of the day, they get a win, and you get some extra rest now before you take on Kentucky.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. That was We took care of business the last two weeks, and that's exactly what we needed to do. We needed to go in these games, score points. I, I said before, and I was talking to my fiance, I was talking to other people at work. Uh, Perry Orth, and I was like, listen, we need to score above 40 both these games. Uh, I won't be happy going into the rest of the SEC play if we're not scoring over 40. Um, And so I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see our run game get established with Marshawn Lloyd. We needed that. Um, He needed the confidence. I think our O-line needed the confidence. Um, And today's game was I think it's a good confidence builder going into next week at Kentucky, and it's a night game, so you know it's going to be rowdy up there. And so we need all the confidence we can going into that game.
1: So I want to go back to a couple of things, Mike. And obviously you're going to view it much differently than how I can view it. How intern Joe, who's in the background, shout out to intern Joe on the phone lines. I'll put that number up for you guys if you want to call into the program. But with Rattler, with Rattler tonight, right? And you know this is a, a quarterback, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go out there do the plays that are assigned to you. Obviously you can check out of things, certain things when you see on the field, but for the most part, you're going to do what's what's called. So I say all that because I felt like for the most part, what we saw from Rattler, especially these last two games, but tonight I felt like we saw someone more comfortable back there. Now, does this mean he has no flaws? And I know that's like a phrase I feel like I keep using with this team. Does that mean he has no flaws? No. Two interceptions. You know, I know the first one, You know, maybe you view it a little bit differently, but bottom line is he gave his receiver an opportunity to catch both those. I mean, we could be sitting here saying that Rattler was 23 of 27 for about 270, you know? So, so what I'm trying to get at is I feel like Rattler has been smarter with the football. Um, Obviously the competition's not the exact same, like it will be next week and the weeks we'll, we'll see the next couple. But I feel like you're just seeing someone that just feels like he's more in control with this offense we could talk about play call we could talk about this and that but just from a quarterback standpoint do you feel better about where Rattler is and if you do in comparison to where he was after that georgia game if you do how much progress have you seen
2: yeah i think i think we've seen progress with Rattler. um i was trying to intently watch the game i didn't i didn't, unfortunately i wasn't able to go to it but i was at watching it on my tv and i was just trying to intently watch his eyes his head movement you know his pocket awareness stuff like that and you're right. He's standing in the pocket. He's keeping his eyes downfield. He felt more confident in his throws. Um, a lot of times he was getting the ball out first or second read. And, you know, sometimes that goes to the competition. Your first and second guys are getting open. Where when we face better competition, they're not getting open on your first or second read. You probably have to get to your third, fourth guys. Um, but nevertheless, we're still playing South Carolina State. And he was getting the ball out quick. He was getting about out with confidence. You know, a couple throws, those two interceptions, I bet – as a quarterback, even though they may not have been your fault, you probably wish you could get him back. He probably wants to hit the receiver more in the chest than a little bit outside, and he probably wants to put him a little more in stride than a little behind him into the right. Those both are catchable balls, but as a quarterback, he probably would want them back just so he knows he can put him in a better spot. You know, you live and you learn. What he, what I think all Gamecock fans need to see is Spencer responds to mistakes well. He came back, and I think he was like ten of eleven after his first interception. And then he was three or four immediately after his next interception. He doesn't he doesn't waver when he makes mistakes. He mm-hmm. goes out there, he makes a mistake, he talks to the coach on the sideline. And maybe that's I I don't know why Satterfield's on the sideline and not in the box, but maybe that's one reason. So he can talk directly with Spencer and make sure his confidence is high and get his take there. But Spencer responsible with well mistakes. Now, do we want to cut back on those mistakes when we start getting an SEC play? Of course. We can't make those mistakes and rely on our defense to get more turnovers than we're turning the ball over. But, you know, Spencer's making those steps forward. Uh, there was times when he was moving the pocket and he was keeping his eye downfield. The one where uh, the play broke down and threw it to Stogner on the dig route. You know, the, pot, the his first read wasn't there. Protection broke. You saw him scramble up for a run, but then his eyes were still at downfield and it's a touchdown. Those are the kind of plays that we're going to need going forward. And those are the kind of plays you see in a QB progressing and understanding the offense.
1: And you, meant, and you mentioned just some of the things you saw out there from a quarterback standpoint. I, I think, you know, it's real easy. And Mike, I'm sure you've been on the other side of it, whether it be even back during your high school days, right? Because um, that Missouri game, I mean, that's going to live on forever. But what I'm trying to get at is it's real easy to look at some of the statistics and doesn't paint the full picture of it all, right? I mean, some people look at the two interceptions. I talked about this with Perry Worth last week, the QBR. And as I put that number up there for folks that would you want to call into the program, um, 803-567-3796. Intern Joe's in the background getting ready for your calls. I, I bring that up because I think it's real easy to get so caught up in these statistics. And I posted this tweet during the game, uh, one of my favorite quotes, and it's from Akib Tlaib. And it's, uh, I'm trying to get the exact quote so I can say it right you know people that dry hump stats to make a point probably prefer reading sheet music to actually hearing the song so I bring that up because it's real easy to look at okay two interceptions but I just felt like we saw someone that was in more controlling it just feels more comfortable back there but uh, we'll see we'll see the adjustments that this team's able to make from you know week three essentially to what week six um, as they now improve now to, to three and two in the year I'm waiting for Joe to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Looks like we have our first caller on the line. Uh, we have Zach on, so we're gonna we're gonna add Zach into the program. What's going on, Zach? You're on the GC Live postgame show.
0: Uh, hey guys, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. I'm again Coxwood.
1: Yeah, it was good. What, what what was your thoughts tonight, Zach? Any anything stand out to you?
0: Uh, well, I'm still happy that we are running the ball because we still need that confidence that we ground game. And I was happy to see the tight end get involved this game. There was uh, a bit more tight end involved, uh, from like, uh, from Stoddler and, uh, Jaheim Bell. And I really was just looking for us to just get the tight ends more involved because we really do have some good versatile tight ends and to get them involved will be key going
1: forward. Yeah, Mike, I know you brought up a a point, and thank you, Zach, for calling into the program. I know you brought up after the Georgia game that you would like to see the ball thrown across the middle more. Now, again, and you know this, Mike, it's difficult to be able to watch it from the broadcast view to see exactly. I mean, it's the same for receivers in general. And I said this to folks, and I know we talked about this. I'll use Josh Van for example. It's so easy to be like, you know, why isn't Van getting the ball? Why isn't this guy getting the ball? It's like, well, are these guys creating separation? That's one. But in terms of going across the middle, is it there? Um, It was good, though. It was good to be able to see South Carolina take advantage of it a little bit tonight. I wanted them to to really run the football more than anything. Stretch it out a little bit. Put it on tape. Put it on tape. And I felt like they did that at times, even during the interception. It was there. But – it was good to be able to see that touchdown across the middle to Stogner. It really
2: was. Yeah, I'm with you. It's there, and uh, one thing about getting tight ends involved, which when we had when I was playing, we had Hayden Hurst, and you can use Hayden as a block for the run game. You can use him as a, a, a stretch out and put him in the in a slot. You can put him on the um, at the X, which is the far out receiver. And so with tight ends like Stogner and Bell it creates mismatches on the defense who they don't know what type of personnel to put in the game. They may put an extra linebacker in to put them on because they don't know if they're going to run. And so they needed that extra linebacker for run block and they put a nickel in. And now that puts, you know, you can create so many mismatches with the defense and moving your tight ends around that you can get one, two, even maybe three guys open just because you guys have, you're getting those guys the ball and prioritizing them. So I like to see the tight ends get involved because it's going to open up other things for Bell, um, for Wells Jr. and all those guys. And I think we saw that a lot. You know, Brooks and Wells were making some good plays today. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Wells had seven catches. Jalen had three. for, And those are, those are big opportunities. Those are what we need going forward. Um, so I like seeing those guys getting involved in us trying to get the ball to them because they're going to be playmakers. They're going to help open up our offense both for run game and for the pass game.
1: I'll need is this five different running back score touchdowns tonight on the ground, five rushing touchdowns, 31 carries, 185 yards. Thought South Carolina would run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I said in this game and I have, I have to go back and just double check. And I said, what, that you would probably see maybe, you know, 25 to 30 passes from Rattler. We saw 27 from him tonight. Again, two of those could have been completed, but shoulda, coulda, woulda could play this game, you know, forever um i do want to answer some of the questions that people are sending in from a comment section though but we do appreciate if you want to call into the program 803-567-3796 is the number if you want to join the gc live post game show i know it's an unorthodox situation with us doing this on a thursday night some of you have to work tomorrow but you know what tell your boss you had to watch gamecock football all right you only have 12 of those guaranteed in the season um, uh, so be grateful for that, right? Tell your boss, they'll be okay. You know, we'll, we'll have Skarnecki write a little, uh, handwritten note <laughs> for you. So you'll be all right. I do want to bring up some of these comments though. Bird asks is, is looking to the sideline, every play part of the pro style, Mike.
2: Okay. So no, um, the reason they look to the sideline, I'm assuming the fans talking about when we're lined up, we do a fake, you know, a fake ball count. And then we look to the sideline. What that really is doing is, so a lot of the offenses, the last quarterback coach slash offense coordinator that allowed QBs to change the plays without, with, with full autonomy was Spurrier. I haven't had a quarterback coach or an offense coordinator allow that since, and I'm assuming that Satterfield probably doesn't allow that either. And so what they're doing is they're doing a fake count. Sometimes the plays that we have called – aren't going to be good against the certain defensive coverage they have, and they're disguising it well. And so what you're doing is when you do the fake count, maybe you see a rotation, maybe you see something move in the defense. And so they're going to the sidelines. The coaches all recognize what's happening, and then, then they're changing the play to try and match the what coverage they're getting or what blitz they're getting. And so you just want to get into a better play. That's what's happening.
1: Here we go. Thank you, Bird, and thank you, Mike. Patrick says – how did the last two weeks transition into Kentucky and moving forward in the SEC play? Mike, I, I felt like, and we've said this before, and it's really simple. Confidence, 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 confidence. Yeah. But I also added this in my quick slants piece that I do every Thursday. <clears throat> I wanted South Carolina to be able to put some things on tape today to Thank be you. able to show that to Kentucky, more so than anyone, because right, you got to be able to play the next game before you can take care of, okay, Texas A&M, Florida. Yeah, Being able to run the football in the manner in which they did last week, 295, that's great. Tonight, 185. I wanted them to be able to establish that run because I feel like before these last two weeks, why would you put someone down in the box? Why would you bring a safety down there? Why should anyone respect South Carolina's run game? These two games, I feel like, help that a little bit. We'll have to wait and see because I'm sure Kentucky's going to be like, all right, they had success. Maybe we'll bring a guy down once in a while, but we want to see if they can do it against you know, guys, their own size, essentially. I felt like that can only help. And I feel like being able to take some shots downfield, at least it puts it on tape that they can connect. We saw that tonight. We saw that even in the Georgia game, but I just feel like that comfortability with Rattler and just the rapport that he's developing, the timing with the receivers, the timing with the offensive line, knowing when to step up a little bit. Is things perfect? No, I still think the timing can get a little bit better, but I feel like just putting it on tape, I feel like that's the biggest thing is now you show something to Kentucky that they're going to have to get ready for. And not just that, but you're going to have some time maybe to throw in an extra wrinkle or two because you have the extra time after playing on a Thursday night.
2: Yeah. No, 100%. I think there's a couple points that I would like to make going into, you know, the rest of the SEC play, but specifically Kentucky. What <clears throat> Will Levis, I believe is his name, um, with Kentucky as a QB. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen one game where he hasn't thrown a turnover. And we're finally starting to get turnovers on the defense, which is important because that confidence now, they, they believe they can get a turnover every time they go on the field. And Will's going to throw a turnover. He's going to throw an interception. I mean, he's done it almost every single game. If he continues the trend and we play the way we should play, we're going to get turnovers. That's going to help us. Another thing is, I had no idea until I saw this. I think the announcers talked about it. We haven't scored in the first quarter until this game of the whole season. So there's nothing. We haven't started early with scoring points. We're going to need to score early. We can't wait until the third quarter to start scoring points against good teams if we want to start winning games. So I think that confidence knowing we can go out there early with the game plan and score early is going to help us going forward. Another thing is I felt like the game they kept these past two games pretty simple. I, I don't know what they did for the first couple of games, especially against Georgia and Arkansas. But I don't know how simple they kept it. But these games looked simple. They looked like they gave Rattler one or two reads. it was not there, scramble. If it's not there, throw it away. Keep the run simple. And it looked like it worked. We were driving the ball. We didn't, you know, outside of two mistakes, we didn't really turn the ball over much. Um, and then we got the run game going. And I know I reiterate this over and over, but the run game is so important for establishing a good offense. And I think those are four important points that are going to help us, that should help us have the confidence going at Tucky and knowing that we can do the things that we've done these past two weeks against a better team.
1: Mike, I want to piggyback off of one of the stats you brought up about scoring early. And I know this was an, this was against an FCS opponent tonight. So some of these numbers, I mean, kind of put this one aside and, and some of the FCS opponents, South Carolina has played, I think, what, maybe one last year? I could be off on that. But um, what I'm trying to get at is this, and this is from Ben Portnoy from the state newspaper. He brought this up earlier this week. And you can just sense in the first half Especially the first quarter, South Carolina has been wonky, I guess is the best way to put it, even going back to, to year one under Beamer. But Ben wrote this, and what it says is South Carolina is being outscored 272 to 175 in the first half of games versus FPS opponents under Shane Beamer. Gamecocks are outscoring opponents 201 to 155 in the second half and 108 to 65 in the fourth quarter. So I, I say all that because, again, That's versus FBS opponents. Doesn't take into consideration tonight's game. That's not to disrespect SC State, but, I mean, let's put that aside, right? But even if you threw that in tonight, another slow start in the first quarter, another slow start in the first half. So these slow starts, tonight, if you want to make an excuse, I know some people won't because they're like, I'm not going to give them any any time the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, both teams look sluggish. Both teams looked like teams who – we're trying to do whatever they could to be able to just find some type of rhythm out there because it was a short week. Yeah. No padded practices. I'm assuming SC state did the thing. Same thing. No padded practices, a lot of walkthroughs. It's kind of like being a NFL player playing a Thursday night game. But the only difference is you find out about this maybe a day or two or three, three days, maybe beforehand. So, um, That was just something that I wanted to bring up to piggyback off that. A couple more questions I've seen, Big Red. Are we making our passing game more successful with our running game? I kind of hit on that before, Mike. I feel like it can't hurt because if you do have success, and again, you're going to have to do it against Kentucky. You're going to have to do it against better competition. But if you can do that, it's going to force teams to have to throw an extra guy down in the box, and that should – at least opening up some type of passing lane might not be the passing line across the middle that we've been talking about, Mike, but maybe, maybe it can help things out a little bit.
2: Yeah. And not just, just for drop back passing. You know, a lot of people are thinking like our run game is going to open up all passing and yes, theoretically it should, but what also is going to happen. And I think a lot of fans and probably you too, Mike saw it in the game was because of how well we were running it against uh, UNC Charlotte and how well we've been running it against, you know, initially in the start of the game against, um, SC state play action. You see how it's working. These guys are jumping down. We're getting able to get deep shots. We're able to just get open uh, opportunities on like the flats because people are starting to crunch in because they're worried about the run. When teams get worried about the run play action is a great uh, asset. Any team can have on the offense. And I think we saw Satterfield utilize that a lot, um, which is good. I think that's going to be one thing that's, It's going to help with the RPOs, which a lot of teams run. That's all pretty much Georgia ran against us. The RPOs are important, but if you can't run the ball, then teams aren't going to worry about the pass. Like They're not going to worry about the run. I mean, They're not going to start crunching down. They're not going to press, and they're not going to be worried about playing into the box. They're going to stay on their man, and the passes aren't going to be there on those types of plays. So I think as long as we can establish the run the way we've been doing these past two weeks, you're going to see play action. You're going to see RPOs, and those are the types of plays that help us drive down the field quickly and efficiently.
1: Intern Joe's in the background. I'm going to throw him on real quick because it's a Thursday night. People got work tomorrow. They got to bring their kids to school. I mean, I know South Carolina is out tomorrow. God knows what five points looks like right now. Um, Joe's no, like, no. yeah, let's wrap this up so I can go down there and go get me a kamikaze or whatever the heck. And go <laughs> kamikaze. Guy, I live, Joe.
3: like, really close to five points, so I can hear him going already. Shocker.
1: Shocker. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, um, no, Joe, look, we talked about turnovers, right? We talked about turnovers with South Carolina oh, yeah. last week. I, I don't know what the plus minus is right now because there were, what, three, I think, turnovers by South Carolina tonight, the fumble and then the interception. Yeah. Um, defensively for South Carolina, I don't know what that that stat was, was at right now. Nice. I know there's a couple of interceptions. I, I bring that up, though, Joe. Because I don't know, from a turnover standpoint, I mean, again, very similar to what we saw last week, the defense really started to come into its own as the game went on. That's not to say that, you know, they didn't do anything in the first half. I mean, obviously that first drive, of the third wasn't pretty. But um, it's just, you know, South Carolina State, even though they have a tremendous receiver, one of the best in, um, in, in FCS, I'd say, when he does have the football their passing game's just not that great. Their passing game just isn't that great. And that's someone that's covered this team, you know, the last couple of years during my time at the TV station down there.
3: Yeah, Mike, I mean, the turnover turnover margin was three to three. So, I mean, matched up evenly with them. Again, Mike, we were talking about the defense generating turnovers all week. And, I mean, they did, um, about turnovers coming in bunches. Defense played sound, which really forced um, some turnovers. I mean – I forget the linebacker, but there were a couple turnovers that were, I mean, South Carolina state quarterback just made a lapse in judgment threw it to the linebacker sitting right there. But I mean, that's a coverage pick if um, instead of like, you know, necessarily a a big play, but I mean, passing wise, I think it just, it got stagnant, right. Spencer got on the run and just, I mean, Michael, you talked about it a little bit earlier too, um, just about Spencer going through his reads. It doesn't seem like there's much down there and it, by the time the play develops, it's, it's either the home run player that check it down, um, so, I, I mean, from my angle, um, especially in the like student section, it just didn't seem like they were all on board tonight in the passing game. The blocking was fine. Spencer had a lot of time to throw. Uh, but again, just the progressions and stuff, it seemed slow. It seemed off still. Um, I don't know, from my angle, at least, Mike.
1: I, I don't know if there's any truth to this, and I, I don't know if you're just joking, uh, but that would be awesome if uh, if Shaq wanted to come to South Carolina next year. I mean, look, he's a like, like like Lady Bree just said, you know, Juice was from FCS, and we could see that. I mean, that's the scary thing too, you know, and it's not okay. to start this rumor that, you know, Shaq Davis is going to come to South Carolina next year. Uh, but, okay. man, he, he's fun. He's fun when he has the ball. He certainly has the size to be able to play in the SEC. Yeah, uh, I would probably- not be – I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if he receives a phone call or two. You're not supposed to. I'm not saying necessarily USC is doing that, but I would not be shocked if he hears a phone call or two from some schools trying to get him to transfer after this year. All right, Joe, give give, give in turn Joe a call so we can get him busy. All right, keeping him busy tonight. Mike, you know what's funny? We were talking about the blocking. I saw, I think Chris brought this up about, you know, the continuity he's being able to see with the offensive lineup there. It's funny because – As you know, as a lot of people know, I'm double dipping. I'm up here in Boston covering the Patriots this fall, covering the Gamecocks remotely. And i found so much old stuff in my dad's office from all the, you know, he's coaching football for 39 years. I came across a book that's very perfect right now for South Carolina. If you're watching at home, coaching football zone offense. (laughs) And, God, I think this would be so great if I could friggin' write a book report on this for Gamecock fans to help them understand what the heck they're trying to do. Right. So I say all that. And it's the best way to sum it up, Mike. And you tell me if I'm off, if there anything I'm missing. Just trying to get these guys all on the same page from blocking standpoint, it's like living in a house. It's like living in a house with like, I say, six other guys. I mean, that might be a brothel. Bear with me here, right? We're not talking legality here. We're talking about just, you know, an example here. You have six people you're living in, in the house with, right? Everyone has a responsibility. Everyone has to do something. We can use five here; yeah. you. That'd be better from the offensive line standpoint. Everyone has to do their job. If one person doesn't do their job, everything's going to be out of whack. It's going to be out of sync. So from a zone blocking standpoint, again, I understand Charlotte last week, South Carolina State this week, but it just looks like guys are on the same page in comparison to where they were to start the year so look they have to do it against bigger and faster guys next week against kentucky but to be able to say hey look this is this is an example and it's not just watching film and practice we're doing this against other opponents we're doing this against guys who you know we don't necessarily know what their strengths and weaknesses are because in in terms of you know what you'd see usually if it was uh, a preseason or you're going up against guys in practice and you know what the guy across from you, cause you go up against them all freaking here. You're going up against guys that you're only playing once a season. So I, I feel like in that regard, that is good to see now. Does it stay rolling? I mean, only time will tell, but I mean, you have to feel at least a little bit better about the O line and, in, in, in just what they're doing over the last two weeks heading into this Kentucky game now.
2: Yeah. I'm with you. I think, um, I think you are starting to see some some cohesiveness in that group. Uh, sorry if you hear the siren going by. But, yeah, you're starting to see some cohesiveness in that group. I think as the year progresses, um, they're starting to see so many different stunts and movements, and they're working together on double teams when it's run plays to get off to to the linebacker level. And, you know, you you hope to have that stuff figured out by spring ball, fall camp, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you figure it out in the early couple um, games of the season, and these past two games might have been what it took for our, our offensive line to take that next step forward. You know, maybe seeing through what what are we five weeks in now? All these different stunts, all these different blitzes, all this different um, these run technique or all these run block techniques that we're doing, and and they're probably coming together as a group finally. Something's clicking, and I don't know exactly what it is, but you're seeing it. And yes, we are playing FCS schools or smaller D1 schools, and and but it doesn't matter because confidence can change somebody. Like mm-hmm. I've seen kids who have gone with and just gain confidence, and you just see a completely different person. You see, and when when the unit, especially an offensive line, it's not really just individual. When you see the unit getting confidence together and they trust each other when it comes to picking up blitzes and blocks and, and stunts, then you're going to have a group of guys who are going to be giving the quarterback time. And Spencer needs that time, you know, because we have guys who can get open, who can make plays downfield, and we just need to give it to them. And Marshawn, you're, you're starting to see some fire. You're starting to see him truly care about getting the ball and getting downfield and with aggression too. That's awesome. And so you love seeing it. And when you have a running back who's that fired up, it probably fires up. It doesn't just probably, it does fire up the old lineman even more to want to do that for him. Mm-hmm. No, so, I'm
1: glad you brought up that with Marshawn. Keep going, yeah. Michael. Sir.
2: No, you're good. I was just saying, so I think, you, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic going into Kentucky. I hope they carry that forward going in there, this cohesive unit, that, or this cohesiveness as they have and this fire they have of wanting to just get people off the ball, you know, because it it's truly down in the, um, in the trenches down there. It's you versus one other person who has more willpower to push the other off. And when you mm-hmm. have your offensive lineman having that fire and that that belief that they're going to move that person, you have a completely different person and when all five are believing that and they trust each other you have a group that that can be very good. And so I'm optimistic. You know, I don't know how much optimism is going to carry our team forward against Kentucky. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, Carolina fans have been living on optimism and hope for so long and it's disappointed us, but I'm optimistic. Let's 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 take it there and I think we'll see what happens with Kentucky early on. So
1: I'll try to go through some of these comments quickly. And again, if you guys want to call into the program, 803-567-3796. I know it's a Thursday night. I know some of you guys are going to bed. Some of you are like, you know, Mike, I'm not going to call in right now. Well, you know, you don't talk to me. You can talk to Scar You know, you can ask how he's doing. But um, I want to bring up some of these big red again. Can we allow the amount of turnovers that we have against Sheryl and South Carolina State and have a chance in SEC play? No shot. No. No shot because, again – I looked at the offense tonight and I know some people feel like the flow wasn't there. I feel like one of the reasons why the flow might not have felt like it was there is just because of some of those turnovers. I mean, that's the first series of the game, right? I mean, ball goes up in the year. They get interception. Yeah. You go, you go down the red zone. You're at least looking at three points, another interception. So maybe, maybe it's just me. I just felt like the flow was, it just felt like it was a little bit off just because of some of those turnovers. Um, but I do feel like we're seeing progress going back to what you mentioned with Marshawn Lloyd. The run game's looking better and in big in large part, just because I feel like guys just understand what's going on here. I do want to bring this up. Lady Bree just answering a question. Maybe some people didn't know uh, they were at the FCS national champs last year. That was North Dakota State, but they were the HBCU national champs. Those historical black colleges, the MEAC, the SWAC. They play in the Celebration Bowl. They don't do the FCS playoffs like they used to back in the day. So they beat Jackson State, and they beat them, beat them handedly, despite being a heavy underdog in that game. Buddy Pugh is just the man. I love Buddy Pugh. Uh, Nick N, any chance Spencer still leaves? And it looks like we have another caller, so we'll get to that, Joe, in a second. We'll worry about that at the end of the year. I feel like, look, I said before this season, if he comes back, that means uh, they had he had a bad season. But you know what? We'll play things out. We'll play things out. Um, a lot can happen. A lot can happen. Yeah. Bree is on the phone. There's a lot of what do we people. got tonight, Bree? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like you were like reaching out, being like, Bree, somebody needs to
3: call. Somebody call, please. <laughs> no, hey, um, what
0: do we think about the defense? Because my key to going into Kentucky was, you know, I talked about how our D line's been getting good penetration. But now did you see it tonight. I,
3: I I'll I'll be honest, the weather, I don't have anything but a cell phone to watch the games off of until my internet gets hooked up out here in the stick, and there's weather, and I was having a hard time watching, but it seemed like our D was struggling, and I did not see penetration
1: from the D like I was hoping for. I don't know. Well, Lady Bree, appreciate you calling into the program. I I think, look, and it goes into one of the questions that someone just asked um, that I'll bring in. I'll tie it into what Lady Bree brought up, Mike. I would have liked to see South Carolina have a little bit from a pass rush standpoint, maybe be able to get to the quarterback a little bit better tonight. Yeah. Um, I do feel like, and I've brought this up before, and this is something at some point South Carolina has to be able to figure out because now it's what, one, two, three games removed since Mokaba went down and Jordan Strawn. You have to be able to find guys that can fill that role. And that's not, trying to call out a player or two. It's just the reality of it. Uh, we saw Marcella style, you know, he had his moments tonight where he got picked on, but then he comes back with the interception, you know? So I, I say that because guys, because of the injury, guys are having opportunities now quicker, maybe than they assume they would. They have to be able to find ways from a defensive standpoint to be able to take advantage of it. That's not to say the defense didn't look good tonight. I thought it had its moments. I thought it had its moments, too, where they could have done better. Um, And this goes into what I was going to tie in with Nick. You know, these corners need to stop grabbing and just try to ball out on some of these lob passes. I think a lot of that has to do, and I think it impacts the struggles they've had in the run defense. And I've brought this up before. Stop dancing on the perimeter. It's got a little bit better, but I still feel like South Carolina is dancing too much in the perimeter, not coming off those blocks and making tackles. I think a lot of it has to do, Mike, and this is just my opinion, and we have another caller, and then we'll get your reaction to all this. I feel like a lot of it is pre-snap, pre-snap alignments, eyes, where that where they're looking at. And then once the play is going on, because they're out of position, they're trying to fight their, fight their way back into everything, and then they don't have any choice but to pull into tag. So, again, difficult to see when you're not seeing it up close. You're seeing it from uh, – your couch, or if you're seeing it up in the stands. Um, but we'll, we'll take a look at that, though. Um, Sean is ready to go. Sean, what's going on? You're on the GC Live postgame show.
0: Oh, I just want to know, it's beautiful weather here in Michigan, 70 degrees today.
1: I love uh,
0: that. Watching the Gamecocks again tonight. I've been harping on this for weeks, but it's been five weeks, and we still haven't thrown one slant pass. We never attack the middle of the field. Everything is outside or deep. And I don't think our offense is going to do anything until we learn to call the middle of the field some. Um, these little bubble passes and things we threw tonight, Kentucky's going to kill those. And I, I'm just not seeing any coherent offensive play calling, no strategy, no identity. I mean, it's been a year and a half, and we still don't have identity on offense. Marshawn looked great, but if Kentucky stacks the box, what do we got? Um, we played Arkansas. They played three down linemen. Four the box, and they throw the all of the field the wearing next week against Georgia, they crammed the, they put everything online. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a Marcus Satterfield fan. And I think he's killing us offensively right now. I just want to know your thoughts.
1: Mike, I'll let you take that away. I mean, you know, we saw, we did, we did we did see, we did see the, I don't know if it would be a slant in route. I mean, you have to go back and watch it, but we did, we did see a, a pass across the middle. Um, and that's not to be a wise ass. That's just, you know, I know the one that we brought up on Mike, but, I know we want to be able to see more of that. Um, Where does South Carolina go in regards to that, Mike, you think? I mean, because this is something that you brought up two weeks ago. Do you feel like they've at least have tried to do it a little bit more? Or do you feel like it's still something that, for whatever reason, they're staying away from?
2: I don't know. From what I saw today, it seemed like there was a lot of – my one negative would probably be that we threw the ball again – we just took too many big plays. Like, I don't understand why we're trying to throw down the field so much and take these big shots. You can nickel and dime it down the field. Like he's saying, these little hitch routes over the middle, dig routes, they're working. And when they do work, you see them. And that's why it stands out to a lot of people. You know, you don't see the big plays standing out as much as the plays over the middle, because I think we're trying, we're hoping so much to see those plays over the middle where a tight end's catching it, or we have a slant route, like he's saying, but when you do see it, it's exciting and it works. And I think that's what we need to keep doing. We need to stop just taking big shots. They're, they're low percentage success rates. And so we, if we want to play good teams and stay on the field and have possession against the teams that we need to be beating and not giving good offenses time on the field, then we need to start doing these nickel and dime. We need to start getting over the middle and keep doing these RPOs. RPOs are a great way to get the ball over the middle. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't just always throw bubble routes. Those are great. But those, you know, you need certain leverage on the outside for those to work. And we have, again, I keep saying that we have the tight ends to get open over the middle. We need to keep utilizing that. We can't just keep relying on these. I don't know how many times we threw the ball deep today or attempted to throw the ball deep today, but we need to kind of dial that back a little bit.
1: Joe, it looks like you want to say something. Get it off your chest, pal. Oh, yeah, no,
3: I mean, nothing really. The offense, I think when they tried to run the RPOs, um, it didn't work as well. And you would think it would set up something with Spencer, and especially that kind of bubble screen thing that they were trying to run that really, really couldn't get behind it. Um, I I, I don't know if the RPO has um, as much of a place in this pro style offense. I think they need to, you know, simplify it a little bit more. Um, And again, like after tonight, we saw guys, I mean, it was the scramble drill. Um, a lot on offensively. And, I mean, going to the defensive side of the ball, flipping that, I saw a comment earlier talking about how um, the defense really didn't handle the RPO well. I mean, in Kentucky's going to come out in some wildcat, and they're going to show some different looks. And I think, I mean, progressively as the game went on, the defense started to adjust a little bit, start to fill the gaps a little bit better. But um, early on, for, especially for me, I really didn't see him defend the RPO too well.
1: Joe, you brought up a word that I want to hit on. It's not specifically about the RPOs, but simplify. And it's interesting that you use that word because from the outside, I feel like we've heard a lot of people say that, whether it be on the message boards, whether we see it on social media, whether we see it during the call-in shows on this show. And it goes back to last season. And I was actually a little surprised. Patrick DeMarco, I believe he was on 107.5 the other day. I believe this is where it came from. This is what he said. Patrick DeMarco said, quote, Marcus Satterfield is a really, really smart coach. I worked with him last year, coached with him last year, helping out with the tight ends or running backs, sitting through his install meetings. He is extremely sharp. He is an extremely sharp man, and I think he has some great ideas. This is where it's very interesting, though. This is what really stood out to me. I think at some point, we've got to simplify it down. That's what we did against Charlotte, and we had success. So, When I see that, it just really jumps out to me. And Mike, when you hear that, when you hear that, whether it be zone blocking, whether it be whatever the case may be, when you hear that, and based on what you're seeing, what is that telling you? What 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 really stands out to you when you hear that that come from Demarco?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to relate this to something to a coach I had. Listen, Kurt Roper was probably the best teacher of the game I've ever had. I, I learned so much about how to play the game of quarterback and understand offensive schematics under that man. He was by far probably the best teacher of the game at quarterback, but hands down. A lot of Gamecock fans wouldn't say he was the best offensive coordinator. And the reason was statistics. There was He looked at so many numbers throughout the week that I think to a point it kind of is, a, uh, it, it inhibited him from opening up the playbook Because he just saw, you know, if we're on trips on third down, they're going to run cover three, what do I call? And, like, you can't let that paralyze you. And so sometimes numbers can paralyze you where you just need to let instinct take over. And sometimes instinct is just calling the plays you know are going to work and that your team's good at. And I think what DeMarco's saying is, you know, we can't just try and look at all these statistics, look at all the coverages they run, and try and get very fancy with beating these coverages. Because the simple plays we have installed the day one install – Sometimes it's the best. And if you just keep it simple in that, the players understand it. They know They know what you're trying to call, and you can execute it well. Um, you don't always need to be fancy. You don't always need to go for the kill shot. Sometimes you can just do these, these, you know, like I said, day one install plays that seem simple and seem not as fancy as the plays that you can install during the week, but sometimes they work better.
1: And just a real quick reminder as we continue to chuck along here, we just want to make sure we give – our shout outs to the guys that make this happen. Hit the wrong one right there. Make sure I pull this away. Give a shout out to Liberty Tax, who is one of our sponsors today. They sponsor all the GC Live shows. Tax season, it feels like it never ends. You know, Be sure to be able to take away some of that taxality by giving Liberty Tax a call at 803-462-5576. So you don't have a pencil that looks like that and you're able to breathe a little bit more. And you can get things going. So write that one down, Intern Joe. You want to make sure that as you get older, man, those taxes, that's a good thing when those numbers go up. But you want to make sure you take some of that stress away. So give our friends over at Liberty Tax a call. They do an absolutely great job. And then in addition to that, Clint Hammond and his team over at the Mortgage Network, right now it's a funky time to be buying homes. He'll be able to help you out a little bit. We had Perry Orthon on last week who gave a great shout-out and endorsement to Clint and everything that he's been able to do, that's the guy that he's used. And I brought this up before, but their headquarters actually right down the street from where I am here in Massachusetts. The Mortgage Network, that is. So give Clint a call. He'll be able to take care of you as well. Another great sponsor here on GC Live. They do our sponsors every day uh, for the GC in A great Live. sports coat, by the way. What's that? Oh, great, great sports coat. Co- great sports coat. Absolutely. Uh, Big Red, another message Do we have to stack the box every time to stop the run? Yes and no. And this is just my opinion, Mike. It shouldn't be that way, but I feel like right now, South Carolina has just struggled to stop the run. So if you can't stop the run with four guys, whatever the case may be, you're going to have to throw an extra guy up there. Um, That just goes back to overcoming some of the injuries they've had. And what happens when you do that? You keep throwing extra guys in the box. What's going to happen? That's going to leave more one-on-one matchups on the outside. It's going to leave your guys on an island, essentially, and it's going to put yourself at risk a little bit in the passing game. And I feel like we saw that a little bit tonight at times. That's why I think South Carolina State was able to go down the field as easy as they did to begin the third quarter. But um, I think it just it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. At least that's my take on it.
2: Yeah. I really think we haven't figured out the rushing quarterback. You know, running quarterbacks make it difficult on defenses because you have to key the quarterback. You can't just run after the running back because now they, these quarterbacks are able to pull it and get 10, 20, 50 yards. And so you got to be able to key those players. But when we play teams who don't have those types of quarterbacks who are more throwers, you know, I think we do a better job of stopping the run. But it's really we as a defense, and obviously injuries injuries have plagued us a little bit on defense with um, D-tackle, D-end, and, and, and linebacker. But that's still no excuse. These next guys, we recruited them for a reason. They need to come in here and step up, and they need to learn quickly. They need to learn how to be on the field and be a starter. Um, But, yeah, I don't think we need to stack the box every time. We're not always going to face quarterbacks who are running quarterbacks. Um, But when we do, we need to be prepared for it. We need to be able to get in there and be able to stop both the running back and the quarterback and not let these big plays. Because even against NC State or um, SC State and uh, UNC Charlotte, we saw saw our defense giving up big plays – which it's going to happen. You know, you're facing, you're doing a four-quarter game. You're going to give up big plays. I mean, look at Georgia and what, Kent State. They gave up big plays. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you can't just look at one or two or a couple big plays and be like, oh, our defense didn't execute well. For 80 to 90% of the game, they executed well. They stopped the run. There were a couple big plays that may stand out with the fans, but I think overall our defense did a good job of stopping the run, and our D tackles mm-hmm. filled the gaps.
1: Mm-hmm. I do want to bring this up, Josh Van. We saw the uh, the bobble scoop. That just goes back to fundamentals, you know. Get your feet out of the way. Get the ball in front of you. Don't go to the side and scoop it. I mean, <laughs> but look, you look at the you looked at that because I think some people, because of that play at the end of the game, they didn't realize when Marion Brown came up and hopped on. They thought he was trying to do the same thing. That one hit off a teammate. Yeah, at least hear that way. <laughs> So, so that was actually a smart play by that, uh, by, by Brown. But um, I mean, look, I saw what Josh was trying to do. I think a lot of us did. He picks that thing up. He's gone. If you're going to do that though, you got to make sure you have that. I feel like in the situation where the game was at right there, you didn't need to do that. Just get the hell away, fire, fire, whatever, you know, poison, poison, whatever their call is. Um, but you know, good teaching moment if you're gonna have a teaching moment have it in this freaking game don't have it next week and i'm sure knowing pete lembo he will make a three page slide on just that example that he won't only show this week but he'll show next week i've been in i've seen some of the slides from pete lembo um one of the most technically sound special teams guys i've ever been around um like hundred page slides for just kickoff return i mean it's It's incredible, but um, that's why you have a special teams coordinator. So I'm sure that will be something that they will focus on. I know this is going to be a question that's asked. I don't know if Beamer was asked this question after the game. I'm going to say no. Might be a question that he gets asked. I don't know when they're going to do their teleconference. Probably still on Sunday night. Beamer does that thing on Sunday with the local media. We'll talk for about five, seven minutes or so. More so, okay, this guy's got hurt, blah, 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 this and all that. My guess would be that would be a time that happened, maybe on Tuesday. Um, without knowing anything specific, all I can do is go back to what he said last week, which was the personnel matchups. Because of a lot of, I think it was like 12 personnel, 13 personnel, you're just not seeing Joiner out there as much. And that's not just... Joiner, we're seeing Brown as well. Brown also has that same role as Joiner, So we're not seeing both of uh, those guys out there as much at receiver. Um, but the other thing, too, is there's some very talented receivers on this team. I and mean, let's just call it for what it is. That's not saying that Joyner is not a talented athlete by any means and that he can't play the position. But there's a lot of talented guys out there. And at some point, there's going to be guys that aren't getting his money snapped. So I don't know if there's an injury to it. I don't know if there's anything more to it. Uh, But this is just based off of what I'm putting together from what has been said in recent press conferences from Beamer. So, um, again, not sure why to the to the exact reason, but that's kind of just my take on it. Um, Nathan says I'm still not satisfied with with stats play calling. I'm not saying that they looked like the, you know, the greatest show on turf. You know, they didn't look like the the 1999 Rams out there by any means, but I felt like overall the offense is starting to come together a little bit. I'm not saying that this is exactly what you're going to have to do to beat Kentucky. I feel like this extra time, though. I feel like, and I've said this before, for whatever reason, some of Sats' best games have come off having extra time. A lot of that has been at least a week, though, right? You think back to last year. South Carolina coming off after getting their teeth kicked in against a and They have a week off in the bye. They come back. They beat the crap out of Florida. They had some extra time, obviously, at the beginning of the year. Last season, they did well. Um, the bowl game. We saw it to carry and Joyner. I don't know. I mean, you're not going to – I can tell you this. You're not going to be able to get Kentucky sleeping – if you think you can throw Joiner out there and do some crazy, I mean, maybe there'll be a player or two you see Joiner out there, but you're not going to get them to a point where it's like North Carolina where you had their pants pulled down and they didn't know what the hell was going on. And Jordan is going out there completing every pass for crying out loud. Um, but I do feel like there's going to be some added wrinkles, Mike. I mean, you have that extra time. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything in particular other than, you know, we talk about trick plays. Was there anything that you would focus on using this extra time? I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to throw in all these crazy new formations and this and that, but you can build off things. What would you like to see South Carolina do that maybe they're not doing that it would be doable during this short time, this additional time that they have to
2: get ready for Kentucky? Yeah. And maybe, maybe for both the team and the fans, because I know DK is a fantastic leader. Even though he's not seeing a lot of reps right now or he's not seeing the ball a lot, he's he's behind the scenes. He's a great leader in the locker room. And sometimes you need to get those leaders in the field and he's a playmaker. And I think that would be a benefit to our offense sometimes. So maybe we put in a package. I don't know when you would implement it throughout the game, but maybe early on, put a package out there. And like you said, it's not going to shock Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not too shock Kentucky. Maybe it's out there to give our offense a little bit of maybe some spark. Maybe it's supposed to give some some confidence seeing that, you know, DK has a fire with me. He has a leadership aspect to it. And so maybe it was just another aspect to get our team motivated and give them more confidence knowing they have somebody they can trust back there for a couple plays. You don't need them out there for a lot. Maybe maybe that's what we do for a package. We don't need to see trick plays. I always – trick plays are cool when you're facing a team. or, or They're cool when you have them in the package when you're, like, desperate and you need something. Or when you're facing a team you know you can't beat. I think we can beat Kentucky. I think those are kind of plays that you can throw them in there and it's cool and maybe they work and it's a great touchdown. But the psychological aspect of it to me just seems like we're desperate because we cannot do our regular offense to get down the field and score. We need to do something extra. So I think we, like you said, we need to stick to the basics, do what we've been doing these past two weeks, and we just need to stick it to Kentucky early on with the run game and get some passes, maybe some play action, maybe some things over the middle. I think their strong suit is their defense. Mm-hmm. I think their defenses causes turnovers. They are, they're good at the run. Their corners are very aggressive when it comes to getting off blocks. Those are things we're going to have to focus on this week because if we can't win on the perimeter and we're going to have to focus on either throwing or getting big shots in the pass game and trying to run it up the middle, it might be a long week. We're going to have to hit the perimeter and win on those edge runs.
1: I know this is something that we talked about before the show even started, Mike, and um, we'll we'll bring it up now because – Uh, Christian brings it up, you know, prayers go out to Greg Atkins, the offensive line coach, and hopefully his health is straightened out. Um, As someone that has had the opportunity to get to know Greg, he is a phenomenal person. Um, He went through a health scare last year where he had to step away from the team. We don't know yet if this is related to what he went through last year, but regardless, we hope that he's back with the team very soon. Um, Look, I said it last year, it was very difficult for this offensive line as a whole, number one, learning a new playbook, learning going from man blocking to zone blocking. But then you had the hurdle of not having your offensive line coach there for a couple, I think at least one game, but a couple practices as well. So that just made things even more difficult last year for South Carolina. It was something that really wasn't talked about enough. Um, I know we brought it up on Gamecock Central more so in the offseason to respect the privacy of it, but it it does make – for challenges Um, give credit to South Carolina tonight though, for being able to come out there and, and do what they needed to do to be able to to run the football as well as they have, because look, the last two games, they've run the football very well. They've run the football very well. Um, Just under 200 yards tonight, last week, just under 300 yards. I have no idea how long he'll be away for though. Um, And I hope I pronounced this name right. I apologize if I'm off, but I want to give credit um, Lonnie Tesley Teasley, um, and I could be off on the name, so I apologize if I'm butchering that. But I want to give a shout out, though. He uh, was an offensive analyst, interim O line coach. He's worked at six schools, including South uh, USC, and also had two years with the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, Lonnie was taking care of the offensive line tonight, and just want to give him a shout out because it's a tough situation to be thrown into. But uh, the offensive line certainly certainly looked like they, uh, they were on their game tonight, Mike.
2: Yeah, I think so. And so, you know, obviously prayers go out to Atkinson, and I really hope that he recovers from mental and health issues, whatever it may be. So really hope that happens um, quickly for him. But that also – maybe that's why another reason you've seen the O-line playing well tonight. You know, sometimes they have that extra motivation saying they're going to play well for the coach they've had you know, who's had their back for the past year, um, and so you know you hate the situation for the guy, but um, sometimes, sometimes it, it gives an extra motivation to O linemen and in positions to to play for their coach uh, and want to execute better because you know it's I don't want to say it's a sense of it's just a sense of pride for their coach. You know they want to play well for a guy that's that's going through something difficult, and so it's something I think that's you know a motivating thing for those guys going forward that they, they want to play for Adkins and do this for him and show that, that he was a great coach for them and that his attributes that he instilled upon them will be shown on the field. Uh, and I think this is a great way to show it going into Kentucky week, showing that he, he he was a great coach for those guys and they're going to show it.
1: And his son had an opportunity to go off the air. I don't know if that's his first reception this season. Uh, I can't recall if he had a reception earlier in the year. Nate Atkins, I could be wrong. We just double-checked that, but he had a reception for two yards today. Um, It was good to be able to see him get out there. So, you know, again, it's it stinks. It stinks that it's an added hurdle in there, um, and hopefully he'll be back and he'll be okay. Um, But that's kind of where we're at right now with all that. Trying to go back through some of these comments that everyone has been sending in. We appreciate it.
2: Um, yeah. And I'll well, add a side note to it too, real quick, about like the importance yeah. of an O-line coach. You know, a lot of times when when coaches are watching film, offensive coordinators, specifically QB coaches, they're watching a lot of the defense, the linebackers, the the shifting and the movement, the positions of where they're they're lined up on the receivers. Not all the time are they looking at the D-line. And that's where the O-line coach is really important when it comes to film study and getting game preparation for the OC, because they're able to see. You know, what hand they're putting down, what kind of stunts they play or they're, they're, they do through the game, the blitzes they do, what kind of um, defensive front are they in when they bring certain blitzes. Like those are certain aspects that are important mm-hmm. to game planning. And whoever's next in line is going to have to step up. Those are important roles that you're going to have to play in helping Satterfield get ready. That's a big mm-hmm. loss because those, the offensive line coaches are important for that.
1: Um, and to answer some of these questions, I'm not 100% sure. If Lonnie was on, I'm just gonna keep calling him by his first name so I don't butcher his last name because I probably did. But um I'm not sure if Lonnie was in his place. And again, it's it's a little it's a little different. And Mike brought this up before, and he's kind of gone back and forth during his what, this would be 13 games, five games now, 18 games into his tenure at South Carolina, being offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. Um I know he's on the sideline, and I believe it's I believe it's coach step Justin step. That's up in the booth. I could be off on that, but they've been doing musical. But I say all that because um, I don't, I I don't remember. I don't remember if, if, if Atkins wore a headset or not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but point being is, you know, Lonnie, you had a guy with experience out there and um, it's unfortunate that it happened last year, but I'm sure it prepared South Carolina a little bit this year as well. But, um, Looking at some of these comments, you know, so I wish I had that one answered for you. I don't. Um, Jay says they are not comfortable in the passing. Evident in the runs on the long and I, I think what I, I think, I think what, you, what, what Jay's trying to say, and Jay, if I'm wrong, correct me. I think some people, Mike, are seeing South Carolina in situations where it's, I wouldn't say third and long, but like third and seven, third and six or whatever, right? And they're running the ball. In comparison to passing, I, I'm I'm sure as a quarterback you'd like to go out there and throw the football in those situations, but uh, I don't know if you have any just thoughts on on that because you know I'm sure it's it's happened to you before in your career where it's third and six, third and seven, and they call a run play.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's one of those things where really that you do get the look you're looking for to hit a seven yard ra- a gain and the run. And so, like when you're watching the film after the game, you're like, man. That was the right call. It was supposed to work on paper. But sometimes what was supposed to work on paper is doesn't always work on the field. And so you need to scrap sometimes what you think, like, this is supposed to work right now. And just realize you're third and seven. You have a great quarterback. Or, you you know, you have a great quarterback with a great arm. You have receivers you can get open. Trust them. Give them the opportunity to get the field. You know, let them know that you believe they can get seven yards. We're not asking for a 20 30 yard gain like it's fourth and th- or you know third and 20 we're asking for seven yards you should be able to execute that if you're a good offense and I think our offense can um, I also you know you have to kind of factor in that these Satterfield sometimes is playing for fourth down but you know when you are play for fourth down sometimes we've seen multiple times they get stuck in a third and, or you know if it's third and seven they get stuck in a fourth and seven they get no yard gains uh, and so you're just like was it worth it running it Sometimes on paper, yes. Sometimes on paper, no. But I think we need to trust our passing game more in those situations. And maybe if you are going to go for it on fourth down, don't don't you don't have to do a 10-yard a route to get the first down. Just do a quick hitch route or something simple that's going to get those five extra yards that the run would have gotten that can set you up for a fourth and short if you're going for that.
1: To answer this question to go back to kind of what we were talking about before, I mean, Lonnie's been helping out. But intern Joe, you said that you have some information about the offensive line. If if Greg Atkins is out for an extended period of time,
3: yeah, I mean, I'm um, just kind of rumblings throughout. Like what I've heard from people is that you know Jody um, Jody Wright will step up. Obviously, Freddie Freddie Kitchens is a big one too. Um, guy who's coached offensive line and you know done a lot of coaching in his days. Um, Freddie will be key, and Freddie's also you know one of Gre- Greg Atkins' closest friends too. Um, you know I've seen him out at camp and stuff like that, and you know. They're really tight knit, um, and I think Freddie is going to help along with the um assistant coach that I can't say necessarily say his name. i saying
1: Jimmy. I saw you send me a, line, a, a yeah. Jimmy Lindsay, who's the defensive who's the, who's the defensive line coach. I've seen, yeah, I've seen
3: um him do some crossover stuff, and like he's helped out with the offensive line previously, um, and yeah, I mean, I've heard you know every, it's all hands on deck with the offensive line and just try to get um you know all hands on deck in terms of coaching these guys.
1: And you brought it up. You brought it up having a guy like Freddie Kitchens as an analyst, and this is why it's so beneficial. This is why the teams like Georgia, Alabama, the teams that just have, it feels like, you know, and and people kind of often refer to it as like a coaching rehab stop, right? The Nick Saban coaching rehab uh, (laughs) facility. But this is where it's nice to be able to have an analyst, and especially a guy like Freddie Kitchens. Like people want to say what they will about him as as an NFL head coach. Things didn't work out there. But then again, insert coach whoever over there historically, and it just hasn't been that great for the Browns. Um, I say all that because Freddie has had a lot of success from a college standpoint going back to his high school days. He was Mr. Football in Alabama, so he has that. And he was a quarterback too, played at Alabama. Um, he has a very unique mindset and he's he's coached all over different positions, as you alluded to before. So having that extra set of eyes out there certainly won't hurt South Carolina. Uh, but it's good to be able to see a guy like Jody Wright, too, and uh, Jimmy Lindsay and whoever. I mean, we throw in there, Lonnie. Um, and the good thing, too, is this. And this gets often this gets lost sometimes. I know, offensive line coach maybe aren't involved with it as much. The fact that they have a special teams coordinator. I mean, it's just something that gets overlooked sometimes because sometimes you have a positional coach, right? And then he's also in charge of something on special teams. This will help a little bit. This will help a little bit. So now it's not like you're losing essentially two coaches if, 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 if Greg Atkins is out for an extended period of time. Hopefully that won't be the case. Uh wanna see some of these other messages that we brought back here. Let's see. A little worried about that, Nathan. Uh, but it's hard to see the entire field from the broadcast view. It took a quick live away. So that goes back to I think we were talking about before with the short passes and you know separation and all that. Some of the things you can't see from a TV standpoint. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we really want to hit on tonight. You know, mm-hmm. can we stop the running quarterback? I mean, next week. You'll go up against a very talented quarterback, a quarterback that has received a lot of hype, a lot of hype, um, and we appreciate that, Sean. This is the most underrated show on Gamecock Central. Well, we appreciate that, Sean.
0: Hope,
1: hope, hope the boss man Brian Shoemaker's listening, um, Sean. We're making people—I mean, shoe—we're making people happy out there tonight. No, um, but you're going up against a talented guy next week, and again, you're going from playing Charlotte playing South Carolina state to going back into conference play. Mike, is there anything in particular that you want to see from this team next week? I mean, it's probably one of those things like, yeah, I want to see this because if they do this, they're going to have a better chance to win this game.
2: Yeah, no, I just, we can't go, we can't go back to what we did against Georgia and Arkansas with the run game. We can't go back to turning the ball over and only rushing for less than I think total 70 yards that's not going to win the game for us against Kentucky. Um, they have tall, lanky corners who are good. They have good safeties. Like if we're going to have to rely on the, the passing game. It 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 potentially could be a long day. So we're going to again, we're going to have to get Marshawn going because mm-hmm. you see what it can do for our offense when he's rushing seventy plus yards in a game, eighty plus yards. It, it just opens everything up. It creates a worry in the defense for whether we're going to go outside, whether we're going to be able to rush it down their throats. And now defensive coordinators have to adapt to that and they have to adjust because it's not easy when you can have both a rushing and a passing game going at the same in the same game. Um, So as long as we can keep Marshawn on the path that he's on right now in the Kentucky game, I think if we see him not able to run the ball early, it should be an immediate sign of worry for the rest of the game. But, you know, we also, we got to dial back the shots and just allow Spencer To do these quick passes and and maybe go a little up tempo, we've seen it sometimes throughout the season, and it's almost worked every time that we've done it. Um, You know, I know Satterfield likes the play call where he, you know, he huddles the team up and they go out, and it's a slow call. But sometimes you need to speed it up. Sometimes you need to give defenses not the time to just rest and settle and get their breath. Um, So I think, I think one of the big signs is how Marshawn plays early on in the game. If we can get Marshawn going, great. If we can't, it's gonna be a worry. Second thing is, are we going to dial back the big shots and try and keep it more simple in the pass game? And I think that's those are the two big things we need to do going forward, especially against Kentucky. And if Mike, we don't, we'll see.
1: You see that comment before, below from Big Red? Yeah, we person I, asks, I know you got recruited by Spurrier. Are we trying to recreate what Spurrier did, or do we have to change since college football as a whole is pivoted? Uh, I, I don't know what your initial thoughts are because, again – you played for the man. So I don't know if there's any similarities that you're seeing with this offense. Uh, And if there, there aren't, what were some of the things that Spurrier? What What were some of the things that spurrier did that are different? I mean, that we could, that might be for a different day. I mean, I feel like we could write a whole book on what's different, but um, in terms of, is there anything that you're seeing this team do though? I don't know that, that, that you did see from spurrier in terms of, uh, I don't even know what the heck to, to call it, really.
2: I'm trying to think. I know it's so head.
1: different. I know it's night and day different. Uh,
2: maybe the one thing we do in a variational sense is that, and I think Perry touched on this either in a tweet that I saw on Twitter or maybe it was your talk show the last week. Spurrier kept the play calling very simple, but he did so many formational variations yep. that it confused defenses, but allowed our offense to understand what was going on and not get confused but defenses didn't know how to adjust to it um, and i think what we're i think trying to incorporate and tie it into how satterfield does we do see a lot of moving variations and moving parts in his um in his formations he doesn't just keep it simple with you know a a two-by-two two set or a three-by-one, you'll see two tight ends set or you'll see two tight ends and two receivers on the same side with an unbalanced set. You'll see him move it around, and it creates confusion with the defense. So I think in the aspect of formational variation, it's Spurrier-esque. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't call his offense Spurrier, though.
1: <laughs> we're having a lot more people hop on now um, as we head closer to midnight. I want to get Mikey That's off. because we're all getting home from the game we appreciate. Yeah, I mean, look, Thursday night, uh if you want out tonight, and you have work tomorrow. Just give the boss man uh, a notification yeah. that Michael Scarnacki has said, "Hey, it's okay. It's all yeah. right." I, I told um, my
2: boss that too. I said, "Hey, don't worry about tomorrow."
1: <laughs> I will I'll give I'll give Gamecock fans uh, a, a shout out tonight, and I could be a little bit off with the number. I believe it was Somewhere north of 60,500. I mean, I don't know if it was sixty-three thousand, but it was it was north of sixty thousand. Um, so look, the fact that it's a Thursday night game, a lot of people structure their lives in the fall around Saturdays, especially when there's home games. A big crowd um, tonight. And give a lot of credit to the students that came out there. I love some people say, Well, they had nothing tomorrow. Well, they still have to get the freaking ticket. Yeah. You know, not all these kids have 60 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is to get into a football game. So um, that would have been nice, you know, kind of like the cadets, if you will, with some of these military schools, just put them on the upper upper deck to fill in. But, you know, I know it's much easier said than done. Go through some of these comments before we wrap things up here. Um, yeah. We'll get had a rough night. He did have a rough night. Mike, you have a bad game, whether it be receiver, quarterback, whatever position, um i know it's it's easier said than done to just say flush it but what advice would you give leggett in terms of just moving on from this game
2: yeah he's gotta you know you're gonna have to go back and just be a man and watch the film and see where you messed up and own up to your mistakes but he's a big body receiver that we need on the outside we need him playing well because he can get open and he's that kind of guy who's who's strong who's fast who has good hands, but sometimes he lacks the confidence that he needs to be that next step, that elite receiver. But if he gets that confidence on a week in, week or week in, week out basis, I think we're gonna see a receiver who's very good and that can help in the passing game. But he's gonna have to go back and look, you know, he's gonna look in the mirror and be like, listen, I made these mistakes, how can I get better to improve myself and improve our offense? And I think he's he's a guy that can be a valuable asset.
1: Some other questions here, and uh, I would have loved – I would have absolutely loved to see what Spurrier would have said to not just Jalen Brooks, but some of your uh, teammates. It was defensive backs because we've all been there. We've all been there. Um, Yeah, Jalen slipped a couple of times. I mean, that the one catch I think was on a screen play. The throw from Rattler was a little low, and he somehow hung on to it. I mean, Brooks has been – he's been doing some special things. Yeah. but uh hey, look, you know, things happen. You slip, you fall. Can't let the turf monster get you. I'm sure uh I'm sure Satterfield and Step, I'm sure they'll have fun with him a little bit in the in the meetings, but if it keeps happening, it's just like, dude, what's going on? Yeah, uh, and Kentucky but
2: is a um Kentucky's an actual turf field. So you slip a little more in regular right, your cleats. So mm-hmm. they're gonna have to be careful about that. I think he has been
1: sacked a lot, maybe the most in the SEC, but Kentucky, yeah, I mean look again with the offensive line and it's not just the offensive line some of it has to do and mike you would be able to talk about better than me some of it has to go back on the quarterback right what you're seeing from a pre-snap standpoint identifying the mike linebacker making sure you're calling um the blitz is out and all that kind of stuff pre-snap is the tight end doing his job is he supposed to block down is he blocking the right man is the running back picking up the blitz if they're uh outflanked? just all that kind of stuff so um I, I feel like as a whole, though, the offense has done a better job these last two weeks, but certainly the competition will, will pick up as we've alluded to multiple times next week against Kentucky.
2: Yeah, and I'm seeing right here that – and I don't know if this is updated for this game, but it looks like he's only been sacked ten times, which doesn't seem like a significant number. I think Spencer's yeah. he's good at eluding the, um, the pressure that comes through. Now, obviously, it's not great that it's coming through. As often as it does And I think we, you've seen it improve these past two weeks But uh, I don't think the sacks are It appears worse than what the numbers are Because you see Spencer being able to elude And, and, and not get sacked And be able to throw the yep. ball away and find receivers But you know you would, In an ideal situation you would hope That he wouldn't have to move around as much as he does But um, Yeah so I think I think you have seen this step forward At least yeah. hopefully
1: Hopefully. I mean, that's that's the big thing. Uh, Continuing to go by this, you know, Cam tries to bait the quarterbacks too much. It is it is something that and I can't say is the specific reason for Cam. um, But I can tell you, you know, for my time of playing in college with some of the guys or, you know, talking with some of the cornerbacks or defensive backs, whether it be in the NFL now or um, at South Carolina, some of the guys try to do that. Some point though, you just got to cut that out. I'm not saying that's the case with Cam, I'm not trying to say that is the case with Cam. Uh, just do your job, right? Do your 111. Don't worry about trying to bait, just get the job done. Um, again, not saying that that's what Cam's doing because I don't know if Cam's doing that. Um, Nathan, DBs need to run with the receiver and play the ball. Yeah, and we, we talked about this before. I think a lot of it has to do with just pre-snap alignment, just being in the right spot and being in position and trusting your eyes. I mean, just all the little things. I don't think it's anything that is not correctable. Um, I do feel like, and again, I brought this up earlier, Marcellus Dial, he was out of position a couple times and one of the reasons why is because he's getting thrown into the mix a little bit. I mean, they've been banged up in the secondary, but again he had his he he was able to make up for it have a nice interception miscommunication with fields and davis i think he was doing a hitch route and he thought he was doing a go route and, and dial was able to take advantage of it having an interception danny boy what's he's got xavier has had three catches for 13 yards for four games but starts starts over a guy that has 18 catches for 300 yards for four games not to mention van doesn't look good our best wide receivers are brooks wells and brown um Look, I, I think Xavier is a guy that is talented. He just it was a, it was a rough night for him. I mean, it was a rough night at the office. I mean, we it wasn't that long ago that Cam Smith was being thrown under the bus by felt like you know half of Gamecock Nation for crying out loud because of uh of of his foot hitting a uh, punt, uh, which again I I said it then that had more so to do with the returner than anything else. You got to yell that out. You're the quarterback back there. You're the eyes. You have to tell everyone to get the hell out of the way. Uh, Number one, I think that was the Tennessee game a couple years ago, and then he had a couple pass interference calls. And then, you know, so so I bring that up because, look, he had a a rough night. Um, How does he respond to it now? Does he let this define him? I don't think he will. I think he'll bounce back. I think the challenging part is, unlike we've seen over the last couple of years, Mike, they just have so much depth at receiver. They have so much depth at running back. They have so much depth even at the tight end position. The ball – is being moved around a lot. I think tonight the stat was Rattler had completions to nine different receivers. I could be off it might have even been more. I thought it was nine different guys. One, yeah, two, three, four, five. I'm trying to count them up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 11 guys. So it was nine last week, I believe 11 this week. So the ball's moving around, the ball's moving around mm-hmm. and, I know some are going to be like, okay, why aren't they design plays with this or design plays like that? Again, some of these guys just need to get open. Okay. So it's really easy to look at and be like, all right, why is not this guy getting the ball? Well, they get an open. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I mean, there's been cases where there are guys open. I mean, we can look at the the play earlier, right. To Xavier Leggett, the one that was intercepted in the first player, or, or the second and third play of the game guys were like, well, bell was open underneath it's, I get that. Okay. But if there's a design play, hits off someone's hands, that's a different situation. So, Mike, what would you what would you tell people out there, though, that get caught up with some of the stats out there that you know this receiver only has this many catches? And I'm not trying to pick on you, Danny, because you're not alone. You know, I've seen that brought up multiple times, but you have so many talented guys out there. Yeah. I mean, it's just gonna be impossible to get everyone the ball, but it just looks like and it's not necessarily a rattler thing, and it's not necessarily I mean, I know some will look at the play calling. Rattlers is spreading the ball around 11 different guys with catches tonight.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- with Xavier, he's probably one of the bigger receivers on our team. And sometimes that gives a new dynamic for whether you're trying to run the ball, uh, whether you're trying to do swing routes um, and those kind of plays and stretch the perimeter. And he's probably a guy who can block better than those other guys because they are smaller than him. And so those are little aspects that you may see him getting more play time. Um, than other guys because when we're trying to establish the run he might be in there more often uh, he is a guy I think too that you need big body receivers on the outside they had a different element um, and the other guys aren't big body like him and yes they are very good receivers and they get open and, and they're elusive but sometimes as an office coordinator you just like the appearance of certain things and certain players and that might be the reason why Satterfield has him out there you know I can't speak for the reasoning you know, when you do look at statistics, you're like, yeah, why aren't those guys getting more reps? But, like, again, like we say, statistics aren't always the end-all, be-all of why somebody should be on the field. What you see on paper isn't always the most accurate thing. So those other guys definitely need to be on the field to get plays if we're trying to open up the pass game. And and we are opening the pass game. I mean, what, Spencer was 21 for 27 or something <laughs> very close to that. You know, we're spreading the ball out yeah.
1: Yeah. Could have been 23, could have been 20. And I, and I hate to do the yeah. could have, should have, would or all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he was very close to being 23 of 27 for like 260, 270. Um, and I, I, I feel a- like he's been smarter with the football. I feel like he's learned his lesson from that Georgia game. And we'll see. You know, look, he'll throw another interception where it was his fault, okay, at some point. It just happens. You play the position, you're playing against talented guys. Yeah. It's going to happen. But I feel like he's been much smarter with the football after throwing in the what we've called what the Brett Favre attempt, throwing off your back foot across the field, trying to go back shoulder in a situation where you shouldn't go back shoulder. But I feel like he's been smarter with the football. There's been some interceptions, though, that have happened where it's not his fault, but it's, it's a team sport. It's going to fall back on you. I do want to bring this up. We have a bunch of comments coming in. I, I'm sorry that we can't get to everyone tonight because we're probably going to wrap things up in a few. Um, but Mike... I look at what Jay's asking, you know, why does the offense always get off to a slow start? Instead of trying to answer that question, let's kind of change it up a little bit, right? Because we don't know what Marcus Satterfield, we don't know what the offense is trying to necessarily do. Maybe you do, Mike. Maybe you're seeing something different than, than we are. But instead of answering that, I think we the better question is, what does South Carolina do to avoid slow starts? What does South Carolina need to do Again, going to be playing a much better team next week in Kentucky. But if you're the offensive coordinator, you're getting ready to prepare for Kentucky. What would you do to start this game off? Especially considering the fact that South Carolina, not just in the first half, that stat that we threw up from our friend Ben Portnoy over at the state newspaper, which was a great stat, I think South Carolina is being outscored close to 100 points in the first half in the Beamer ever against FBS teams. You're yeah. struggling so, even more in the first quarter.
2: Now, obviously, you would hope the very first drive, and obviously first drives don't mean everything, but you would hope for the first drive that you typically know what you're going to get when you go out there on the first drive. You know what kind of coverages the defense is going to run, what kind of blitzes they're going to bring. Usually all that is dialed up the whole entire week. You know the first drive. So I think we should go out there, and I expect to see a good first drive. We need to somehow start having good first drives where we get down there and get points especially against good teams. Um, That would be fantastic if we could do that. The next thing is we need to stay on the field. We need to get ourselves into either third and short situations. We can't be in third and medium, third and long, because that's going to put our offense in a a more likely chance to not succeed in getting the first down. And if we're not converting third downs, then you're not going to see early success because we're punting it. We're giving it to our team. So you need to start seeing – those first and second downs and maybe that means dialing back first down shots Mm -hmm. until you know it's the right opportunity so maybe we need to get a short and second down short and third down and then convert be able to convert third downs because if we're converting third and shorts you're going to see early success i mean third downs and big shots are some of the most important things that you can have but you're not going to be converting a lot of third downs from third and sevens third and tens
1: well, Mikey, I appreciate it. We're going to throw Joe on for final thoughts. Joe, what's your final thought?
3: I mean, final thoughts is I think the defense looked great. Um, the offense, I mean, could have done a little bit better, um, like y'all were talking about with the uh, the passing game. And, again, there's still – Satterfield didn't necessarily clean up any, like, rumors um, about the play calling. It was, still could have been better tonight. Um, also, I think, you know, Spencer had a de- good game, not great. Um, the two picks weren't necessarily his fault. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I think going into Kentucky, the defense needs to clean it up um, on the RPOs, um, again, like we talked about. And I think, you know, they have to stay in their gaps and stay disciplined on defense. They can't really kind of fly a ball, or fly around and try, try to make a play. Um, and then, Mike, I mean, my last final comment is prayers go out to Greg Atkins and his family. Um, you know, I wish him the best. He has been so great. To me, just kind of introducing himself to me and making me feel welcome as, you know, an intern um, in, in kind of a big media scene. So Greg Adkins, family, friends, you know, pairs off. So hope he's doing well very soon.
1: Mike, what's your final thoughts, bud?
2: Yeah, so I think, yeah, in these past two weeks, they, they're what we needed to get confidence to go into the, the real SEC play that we everybody, all the fans knew was going to be the important – part of our season this is going to be the dictating part of our season where we whether we go to a a six seven eight win season uh and go to a bowl game which is going to be important for both recruiting and growing our players when it comes to understanding and, and and just getting more reps in our offense and our defense those are all important aspects like you know bowl games aren't just for recruits they're also for the players who are currently here to get more reps so we need to We need to go forward, get these wins that we need to to get to the bowl game because it's going to be important for our team and for Beamer. So I think these two weeks are the things we needed to build the confidence. You see Marshawn Lloyd have confidence. Our O-line looked good with the run blocking. And I think our offense realized simple sometimes is better. And I think those are important keys that we need going forward for the rest of the SEC play.
1: I'll answer one question uh, Danny asked. You know, one more thing. Where's Lavasia Carroll? Does he have to sit out a year? He doesn't have to sit out a year. The thing is that that running back room is just so deep. I mean, even Rashad Amos is who's in front of him. Um, that's just the talented room. And Carroll is essentially a freshman when you think about it, because of um, because of the. I believe he's he's, he's he has two years, but
0: um, at Georgia,
1: correct. Because he, he appeared he appeared in four games, but because of the redshirt rule, which they adopted a couple of years ago, you can still maintain your eligibility. If that was the case, Skarnecchia could be in his eighth year right now, um, slinging the ball around, and he could be able to figure out, you know, a fourth and four call from the four. What are you calling, Mike? Um, <laughs> I, I said we wouldn't do any more questions, but um, I don't know. I'm gonna Skars- do you- find a way to – Scott, oh, you find a way to get
2: the yeah. Listen, my, my favorite, but also they sometimes don't always work are Just like the bunch plays where you get you know you, you line up on the left hash if you're a right-handed quarterback, you have a fade route if you like the fade on the backside, take it. If you don't, you have something with a bunch or with your three receivers in the bunch side, and you have some type of either zone beater if it's a zone, if not, you change it to a man coverage beater, and you have all those built in. No hate- rolling out. I hate the rolling out. How many times do you see rolling out know, actually work on those calls? Defenses are always prepared for it. So I think you have, you know, you, your low percentage, but still a good chance on the fade. And then you have your man slash zone beaters in the bunch side, and it's going to confuse the defense. That's what I'm going with. I, think I don't so have sure. a specific play call. Honestly, a lot of that has been washed from my mind.
1: <laughs> I think on the other side of it, as a defensive back, I hated anything that was bunched in quick. I mean, I feel like that's the way you attack. Like you said, those rollouts. I mean, yeah, if you have a dual-threat quarterback, that can make things a little bit more complicated. Yeah, not but, me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not with that attitude, Mikey. Um, yeah. uh, I, think my fi- I think my final thoughts, and it kind of goes into some of the things I mentioned on the, on, on the weekly um, – I'm trying to hide some of these comments here. On my weekly piece for Quicksilence is just putting it on tape. Just being able to establish that you can run the football, I don't care who it was against, and being able to take some shots downfield. I felt like they did that tonight. I feel like South Carolina has put themselves in a better situation over these last two weeks to make yourself feel a little bit better heading into Kentucky. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still skeptical. There are people that were skeptical after last week. There's people that are skeptical still heading into next week. If they beat Kentucky, there'll still be people skeptical. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I get it. But I feel like what this team needed to accomplish over these two weeks, talking about SC State, talking about Charlotte, they did exactly what they needed to do. They could have been a little bit cleaner with the football tonight, certainly, in terms of being able to protect it, whether it be the fumble, whether it be the two interceptions off the drops. They need to clean those up. There's no question about it. If they can clean those things up, if they can clean those things up from an offensive standpoint, the defense, it's still coming along. And hopefully they'll be they'll be a little bit healthier for that Kentucky game now. Having a guy like Darius Rushback, you hope he's gonna be able to go. Hopefully you're able to take care of which business from a defensive standpoint. But from an offensive standpoint, if you protect the ball, don't do anything stupid on special teams, they should be able to, to compete against Kentucky. Yeah. They should be able to compete against the Kentucky. Yeah. I like what this team has done. I felt like this stretch is where they were going to start turning the page it's great it's great what you did you have to be able to do it next week now because there's gonna be a lot of people that are saying well you're playing you know TikTok tech and you know the jv squad and this and that got to be able to do it next week and i feel like they're in a better position right now and it starts with just comfortability and confidence i agree
3: one real thing especially in the sec What's that? I said momentum's a real thing, especially in the SEC. So, I mean, hopefully they can
1: kind of keep I'm it sorry up. about that. Looking at a text from another former player watching the game. Um, I'll tell you guys who it is afterwards. But, guys, we appreciate you tuning in, watching today's program. Again, we will do this next week after the Kentucky game. And uh, on Tuesday night, if you guys want to just listen to some football, we'll be back for GC Live Talking Tuesdays. where We recap everything that's said during media availability, Shane Beamer, some of the players, and we'll get you geared up for the upcoming week. We want to give a big shout-out, uh, Michael Skarniecki. He almost looks like Jimmy G when he smiles. How about that?
2: I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I'll take any compliment. I'll take his
1: salary, too. I mean, the man's making some money right now coming in, yeah. playing right now. Uh, yeah. Mike, I appreciate you taking some extra time to, to stay with us. I know these are usually an hour, so we appreciate your time intern joe thank you buddy sorry for slowing you down from getting some kamikazes and five points yeah, everyone listen. that's listening tonight we appreciate you guys hope you guys have a good friday if you're working tomorrow if you're not enjoy sleeping in because be it. able to stay safe out there guys uh, and if you guys are down in florida um hope you guys are all right around the coast near south carolina everyone stay safe out there and we'll do it again next week
0: step into the world of power loyalty